Let's take our Bibles this morning, turn back to the Old Testament. We'll be looking at 1 Samuel chapter number 17. And uh, before you get to 1 Samuel, can someone tell me what great account in the Bible we have in 1 Samuel 17? We have David and Goliath. How many, that's one of your favorite Bible stories as you go throughout the scriptures. I love it. And uh, good guy wins. And uh, so thankful for it. There's so much that... Uh, messages that I've preached, but aren't you thankful for a faithful young man who's willing to obey his father? And uh, then he gets out there and he gets uh, seeing that there's a great need and someone is mocking God. And uh, even as a young man, the Bible calls him a young lad, very possibly 16, 17 years old at this point, but someone is mocking his God and he steps up and says, isn't someone going to do something about this? And uh, is there not a cause? And uh, I'm thankful for a young man not willing to keep his mouth shut, and uh, but then also put some feet to it, steps out onto the battlefield, and I'm summarizing because we're not going to sing the song, Only a Boy Named David, Only a Little Sling. How many sang that in Sunday school growing up? But five little stones he took, and uh, one little stone went in. I think the only unbiblical part of that whole thing is where we had to go over and over and over and round and round and round and round. It wasn't in the power of his swing for that slingshot, but it was in the power of God that took down that giant. And uh, one shot right here in the forehead, and you know the rest of the song, and the giant came tumbling down. And how many had to fall down because that's what your junior church teacher said to do? We had to fall down on the ground right there. And then my mom would give me a hard time because I got my pants dirty in junior church. It was a no-win situation. And so I love David and Goliath. I love the story of it. And there's no giant that's ever too big that through the power of God cannot be taken down in our lives. Understand, I said through the power of God can't be taken down. And so I guess what encouraged me as a young preacher looking at this account in the scriptures is that the biggest giant that David ever faced physically, he faced at the beginning of his ministry and his public ministry. No person he ever came up to to fight after this was as big as Goliath. So he could always go back to it and say, well, God, he's not as big as Goliath. And always believing that God could do it. Now, he had some spiritual battles. He had some emotional battles and some family battles that I believe were probably a whole lot bigger than Goliath in his life. But you know something? God was faithful and brought him through those things also. And so I'd love to be able to preach the entire account of David and Goliath, but there's so much here. I got one message of him just pausing to pick up five stones. One message on just pausing to pick up five stones in the the river there. And how many know that a smooth stone flies a whole lot better than a rigid stone? You know that, right? And skipping a stone, how many have ever skipped a stone across the water? You know that a smooth stone will go a whole lot further. And so there's a reason in behind all of that, but we won't get into that. 
If you found 1 Samuel 17, now some of you have never read David and Goliath. You're going to go back and read that this afternoon. Bible's full of great stories like this. But if you found it, let's stand together. We're going to begin reading in verse number 38 and read down through verse number 46. 1 Samuel 17, verse number 38, the Bible says, And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Boy, it's just setting a good precedence on the battlefield, isn't it? David steps out. He's got a sling in his hand. Here comes Goliath. He's drawing near to him. Goliath has a man that carries his shield for him. That's how big of a shield, and that's how big Goliath is. Has a man carrying his shield and then says, am I a dog that you're coming to me? I mean, he didn't even say you sent out a good-looking young man. I mean, ruddy and a fair countenance and a youth that's coming after me. Let's keep reading verse 44. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. I'm going to switch off this uh, lapel microphone. Just go with the pulpit mic. Then said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee. How many believe that was just enough of a confident statement right there? But he takes it a step further. Not only am I going to kill you, and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcass of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And boy, there's so much that we could preach out of that passage of Scripture. But I want to come back and look at this in verse number 45, and I'm actually going to preach just a simple message out of one little phrase and start with here in verse number 45. He said, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord. He didn't say I come with a shepherd's bag and a slingshot. He said, I come in the name of the Lord. 
And I want to share a few thoughts this morning. I'm excited about it on this thought. I've just been excited about that little phrase, in the name of the Lord, and just preach on this subject, in his name. In his name. We're going to see some things about the name of Jesus, the name of the Lord of hosts. Amen. Let's pray, and then you can be seated. Father, we love you. Lord, thank you so much for the word of God this morning. Lord, thank you for the example of David. And Lord, he was not trusting in the power of his might, but Lord, he simply came in the name of the Lord. And Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us on that subject matter. There's so much in the scriptures that said about this. Help us today. There may be someone facing what they see as the biggest giant they've ever faced. Lord, they may not be able to face him in the power of their might, but they sure can face him in Jesus' name. And so help us today now, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. While you're being seated, I want to read what the Bible says in the New Testament about the name of the Lord Jesus, and then be able to share a few thoughts in Philippians chapter number 2, starting in verse number 1. The Apostle Paul said, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we read throughout the scriptures about the importance of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we read about it throughout the Old Testament in accounts like we've read this morning in 1 Samuel 17, We read about it in the New Testament. We'll share a few of those here shortly. But I want to come back here and I want us to share a few thoughts and really this matter of encouragement because I don't believe that we uh, use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in such a powerful way as we ought to on a daily basis. I'm thankful for what is available to us through Jesus And I'm not talking this morning about some people using the name of the Lord Jesus and using it as a curse word, which I'll remind us that ought never to happen. We ought not to just, as some call it, take in the name of the Lord in vain. We use his name just flippantly and casting it out there and use it as a filler sometimes because we don't know exactly what ought to be said. But I can say this, it ought not to be said like that. 
I believe the name of Jesus is a holy name. I believe as it's been exalted, what we read in Philippians chapter number two, that listen, there's so much power in the name of the Lord Jesus that one day at the very mention of his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I've been listening lately to a uh, song that's been written called Bow the, Bow the Knee, and it's not the old one that was actually written that, that I've listened to several times that Ron Hamilton sang. I know he didn't write it, but there's a newer song that's been written called Bow the Knee, and it's talking about Satan before he's cast out of heaven. And imagine that scene that even before he's cast out, that even the devil is going to have to bow his knee and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Imagine how that scene is going to be one of these days. And I pray that we'll be able to be around. I want a front row seat to be able to experience that, don't you? When he finally humbles himself before Jesus. But we come back to 1 Samuel 17, and I wanted to start here this morning on this matter of in his name as David is stepping out onto the battlefield. And as I've already mentioned, physically the greatest battle that he'll ever have, physically the tallest and biggest giant that he will ever have to face, and he's facing him as a youth that is ruddy and of a fair countenance, and he's stepping on the battlefield with a slingshot in his hand and five smooth stones in his shepherd's bag and saying, okay, Lord, let's go do this. And full confidence in not his ability but in the ability of Almighty God, and he says this, listen, in the context, here's what he says. He said, you come to me, thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield. And don't you think those would be wonderful things if you're stepping out into a battlefield and going hand-to-hand combat? Wouldn't those things be wonderful to have? I wonder if David knew he wasn't going to get close enough anyway. And he has his slingshot, but he never once said in that context that I come to you with a slingshot and a smooth stone. But he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And I thought as I read that verse, in his name is an appeal to power in the face of impossibility. An appeal to power. Now listen, I, I, I don't want you to get off on some tangent this morning because some people have taken this subject matter of the name of Jesus and they've just gotten themselves into a trance and they're just chanting it over and over and over and over. And I've heard some people pray, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And I'm thinking, hey, it's not a, it's not a chant that we're supposed to get into saying, but I can say this, that an appeal to the power that is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what David said he's coming in. Listen, he didn't have any power to be able to take out Goliath on his own. He had no military training. He was a shepherd on the backside of a desert. And really at this point, he was nothing more than an errand boy for his dad. 
His dad said, hey, would you take these snacks and take them to your brothers that are there on the front lines? He shows up. He's, he puts himself really into an impossible situation. But I believe under the direct leadership of the Lord, and I believe that God is fixing to use him in a great and a mighty way, but he knew the power that he had to appeal to was not his experience with a slingshot on the backside of a desert. Now listen, I don't have Bible to back this up, but I just wonder the times he's practicing out there on the backside of the desert, keeping watch over them them flock and, and those sheep out there, and he's practicing with a slingshot. I just wonder if that mark he picked out on a tree up there was approximately nine and a half feet tall. I just wonder if he picked out a knot on a tree and said, I'm going to hit that knot right there. I don't know. But God had him ready, but he understood the power was not in himself. And when he was facing something that to him would seem impossible, that to the world around him would seem impossible, he said, there is only one place that I can appeal to, and I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus. Now listen, Philippians chapter number 2 had not been written yet. He did not know that in the power of Jesus, he didn't read it in Paul's epistle to the Philippians, but he sure did know something about appealing to the power of Jesus' name, didn't he? He said, listen, he said, I'm getting ready to face something, and can I encourage you today? I don't know what seems like would be impossible to you. But I wonder if we have appealed to the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, is there power really in that name? Let me read this to you in Acts chapter number 3, because we see this over in the New Testament, and this is just what God was encouraging me with over and over and over this week. I want you to see the power in the name of Jesus Acts chapter number 3, verse number 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked in alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And boy, if you know the rest of the story, he sure did receive something, didn't he? You say, what did he receive? Let's read the next verse. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I to thee in the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he leaped up, and he leaping up stood and walked and entered into the temple, and with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And I thought, listen, that's not silver and gold. There's some things that money is not going to be able to buy your way out of it. There's times that influence is not going to be able to buy your way out of it. But can I say this? In the name of Jesus, 
I've, I've heard and I've experienced, and listen, don't get all spooky on me, but I'll say this, in the name of Jesus, there sure has been some powers of the demon world that sure has had to flee at the very mention of the name of Jesus. We're going to close out today with uh, chorus, verse number, uh, I almost said chapter and verse, but uh, song number 27 in the hymn book, there's something about that name. We were standing over in a high school over in Ghana, West Africa, in the city of Takarati one day. And we walked in there, and boy, they were beating up their drums, and they were getting all frenzied up the way that they do in some churches. And listen, it's not just because it's over there in Africa, but I've heard that same thing taking place right here in the United States of America, too. And they're getting all frenzied up inside church, and and boy, they're dancing around, and they're carrying on, and I'm thinking, what kind of service are we fixing to have here? I've never preached in something like this. We'll see what happens. And uh, I wasn't preaching. I was sitting back there, but I was saying, praise God, I'm not preaching. I mean, I wouldn't want to get up and have to follow after that. Boy, they're working themselves up. And Brother Jeff Bellamy, he's getting ready to get up and preach. And he he looked over and he said, guys, he said, would you just get up and sing that chorus? There's something about that name. And they all calm down. It's amazing when they say it's led of the spirit, but it stops just like that when someone says stop. And they all stopped, they took their seats, and listen, by no means were we a wonderful choir as we stood up there. And there were four or five of us preachers, and we stood up there and we just started singing that chorus, number 27, Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. And we sang down through there, and he's he's sitting behind us, and he said, sing it again. And we sang that chorus over again. And then he said, he said, just one more time. He said, I think we're almost ready. You say, what was happening? I'll just say this, and you can believe it if, you're, if you want to or not, but there was one spirit going out that window, and there was another spirit coming in this window, and we sang that chorus through a few times, and boy, there was just a, a holy hush that was over that auditorium, and we didn't give time for applause and clapping afterwards, but as we were finishing up that last little phrase there, Brother Jeff Bellamy just stepped up in there, and he just opened his Bible, and and just started sharing scripture, just a holy hush over that auditorium that was right there. Can I say this? When we start looking at some things that are bigger than us, that are more impossible than what we can have and we can hold on to, listen, we better be appealing to the power that is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know me, I'm not just talking about getting up there and saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm not talking about getting like that. Listen, you can stand back there and try to wave all you want and try to bring Jesus down like that, but that's not what's happening. I'm talking about appealing to the King of Kings and the Lord of hosts, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, appealing to a power that is a whole lot bigger and better than us. Listen, the demons of hell had to flee at the mention of the name Jesus when Jesus was here on this earth, at the mention of his name. It's not just an appeal to the power in the face of impossibility. Listen, we see this. He said, you have a sword and spear and shield, and I I really need to move on, but can I say this? He appealed for protection in battle. 
He appealed for the provision in battle. He's walking out there. Let me just touch on this. He's already made the promise, I'm going to take your head. How's he going to do that with a slingshot, by the way? I've never seen anybody cut someone's head off with a slingshot. But I will say this, once he got in the middle of the battle, Goliath was laying there, guess who had a sword? And God provided it just in the middle of battle. He said, I'm just coming to you. He said, I don't have to bring a sword with me. God will provide one in the midst of the battle. Hey, sometimes God will provide in the middle of the battle what you didn't get at the beginning of the battle. But you still have to be in the middle of it to be able to get it. Can I say this? He appealed to the power to be able to praise him for the victory too. He said that in 46, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I'm thankful for the example of David as he appealed to the power in the face of the impossibility that was before him. Can I say this? Turn over with me to Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4, if you were right there in 3, I just read that. The next page is chapter number 4. And I want you to see not only in his name is the appeal to the power, but in his name is the assurance of salvation for all of eternity. The assurance of salvation, Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 11, the Bible says, let's back it up to verse 10. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Guess which man they're talking about? Acts chapter number three that we just read about. Do you know that there's some that actually pitched a fit and got upset because that man was healed? Do you know why they got upset about that? They weren't the one that was sitting there begging. They weren't the one that had never taken a step and walked at all in their life. Well, I don't know why he's leaping and jumping around coming into the temple. That's just not how we act around here. You haven't been sitting out there every day of your life either. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, just been commanded to rise up and walk. This is the stone, verse 11, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, what's interesting here is this entire discourse is taking place that they're upset that this man is healed, and Peter's saying, I'll tell you how he's healed. It's in the name of Jesus. But hey, greater than that man being healed in the name of Jesus, let me tell you about the name of Jesus. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He said, it's wonderful that someone can be healed. It's wonderful that someone can take down a giant in the name of Jesus. But can I say beyond all of that? Boy, it's wonderful that we have eternal salvation in the name of Jesus. And we know that we're saved. You say, preacher, how do you know that you're saved today? Simply because of Jesus. It's in his name. Hey, listen, that's why we close out every prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm praying the only access I have to be able to get to the Father is through the name of Jesus. You ever, you ever come up against those people, and you might have done this. They're called name droppers. You ever, you ever come in contact with those? They come up and say, well, you don't know me, but you don't might know so-and-so. And they drop a name. We did it all the time as missionaries. 
all the time as missionaries. And if Brother Frank was here right now, he'd be shaking his head. We call up a pastor and we say, well, so-and-so told me to give you a call. I don't mean a thing to them, but that person does. And it's in his name. And I thought, boy, it's amazing the names of some people that have been able to get me into some doors. But I thought, far above all of that. Boy, we have the name of Jesus that we appeal to for power, but it's in the name of Jesus that we have the assurance of salvation today. Can I say if you have salvation in any other name, including yourself, it's not Bible salvation. You say, well, I'm, I'm working on this and, and I'm doing pretty good and I've got my good works down and, and, and boy, my, my, my number of my good works is sure rising today. Hey, if your salvation is in your name, that directly contradicts what the Bible says. And guess what? I'm going to take the Bible's word for it over yours. When the Bible says there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, and that's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we can rest assured, not just in this life, but for all of eternity, the name of Jesus will carry it through. You say, man, I've never met anybody with such power in his name, at the name of Jesus. Can I say this? Go around this world today. You know they have no problem talking about God. No problem talking about God. You know why? Because that little three-letter word can sure mean a lot of things to a lot of people. They'll call it their higher power, or God as some people put it. They'll talk about this, talk about that, and, and they'll put several things under the umbrella of God. They'll talk about all the gods that they have over in India. They'll have talk about all these gods that are over in China and all around this world. They have no problem talking about God. But ask them what they think of Jesus. As soon as you say, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Well, now we have a problem. Well, there's many ways to God. They're not going to dispute God. But as soon as you say Jesus, boy, there's just something about that name. That as soon as you invoke the name of Jesus, it's like, now hold on now, you need to back up. We can talk about God, but as soon as you start getting specific, that's why they'll try to take the importance of Jesus out. They'll say that he was just a good prophet. They'll say that he was just a good teacher. They'll say that he was just a good physician. I mean, he healed everybody he came in contact with. I mean, he was all these things. But as soon as you start talking about there's salvation in none other, has to be through Jesus. Well, you're just exclusive. You just, you're, you're prejudiced and you just ex- exclude people from that. No, I think Jesus did. Because after all, isn't it his heaven? Isn't it his salvation? So don't you think he can set the rules on how you get it? It's his. Listen. Assurance of salvation is only coming through Jesus. You say, oh no, I'm going to appeal to the name of Granite State Baptist Church. Hey, listen, there's one here on the platform that believes Granite State Baptist Church is the greatest church in the world. I believe that. I'll put both hands in the air. I believe it is. But try invoking the name of this church when you get to heaven and saying, oh yeah, I was a member over there. I, I ought to be able to be allowed in. Yeah, whose name? 
Yeah, there's only one name that's going to get you there. And that's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, can I say this? You say it's wonderful. We have the name of Jesus. We can appeal to the power of that. And we have assurance of salvation. I'm glad that I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. Not because of my name, but because of the name of Jesus. Then turn over with me finally to Colossians chapter number 3. Can I remind us today that our acts of service ought to be in the name of Jesus? You say, what do you mean? I mean everything that we do. You say, is that what the Bible says? Well, that's what we're going to look at. Verse number 16 of Colossians 3 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. It's interesting, and I won't preach this. I believe I'm going to get into it next month. I'm preaching on the family. But it's interesting, right after that verse, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, he goes right into the family relationship. I wonder this. You ever had something that you, it it was about done to be completed, about to that point of being completed, but there was just something wrong with it, and you said, I'm not putting my name on that. Don't sign my name to that. I just don't agree with that. It's not the quality that we're putting forth. You know, there used to be a day and age that the the name of something meant something. You you go buy a, a smaller John Deere. That green paint meant something. Can I say this? Your smaller ones now are just made by the same people that make the Murrays down at Walmart. I mean, they're made by the same people. Used to be a time that name being put on something meant something. And Jesus is saying in our lives, do you understand whatsoever ye do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I wonder what acts or, or behavior in our lives we would not be thrilled to attach Jesus' name to it. We'll get into it with the husband-wife relationship. I wonder if how a husband has treated their wife, if at the end of the conversation they can say, in Jesus' name. I believe Jesus is saying, don't put my name on that. Don't put my name. Hey, what about them certain acts? Can we bow our head and pray and give thanks for everything that we've done this past week and say, I'm willing to attach the name of Jesus to this? That's what happened with first century Christians. They were living in such a way in Acts chapter number 11 that the world looked at them and attached the name of Christ to them. They were first called Christians in Antioch. And I'm saying, Lord, what is it in my life? Would someone be able to look at my life and my acts of service and whatsoever I do in word, everything that I say and everything that I do and call to attention the name of Jesus through that? Or how many times has it been that 
And I just wonder if he does this seated up there on the throne that he's saying, don't tell him you're a Christian right now. Boy, you just get done spouting off and, and you just had that, that whole line of curse words that you just bless someone out. You know what it means to bless someone out? And you just tore them up one side and down the other. And then you get done and say, now I want to invite you to church on Sunday. And I believe Jesus is saying, don't put my name to that. Living like that, talking like that, hey, don't put my name to it whatsoever we do. Acts of service. Are we living in Jesus' name? Every day of our lives, would we be able to say, after everything that we say, after everything that we do, Jesus, you okay with that? And attribute his name to it? Why'd you just do that? Well, I did that because Jesus would be pleased with it. I did that in Jesus' name, and I'm calling to attention that I'm doing it and that I'm a child of God. Acts of service, doing it in Jesus' name. Or I wonder if we'd have to be looking at our lives sometimes saying, listen, in his name. We love to call his name for the appeal to power in the face of the impossibility. But I wonder if our entire lives are calling attention to his name just because of how we're living. Why is it, and we've gone over this in First John, we've made mention of a couple times of people, their number one excuse of heading down to the church house is, I don't want to go down there because that place is full of... Well, it's a sad testimony in churches, isn't it? But yet the Bible tells us whatsoever we do, that word whatsoever means anything, okay? You understand what whatsoever means? And that, I know that's going back deep and getting into the Greek and the Hebrew as you trace that back through the scriptures, but whatsoever literally means anything. Make sure it's in the name of the Lord Jesus. Make sure that he can put his name on it because we've been bought with a price and we belong to him. I wonder if our faithfulness, I wonder if our commitment to the Lord, I wonder if our heart attitude, every word that comes out of our mouth, every thought that we have when nobody else is around, would Jesus be fine if we attributed his name to it? I've been asked a, a few times and I've read things over. There's been some groups that have been sending letters uh, to the governor in response to some of these things that have happened over the past couple of years. And there's been times I've gotten a letter through the email from someone that I know, and, it's, and they've said this, Pastor Peter, would you be okay signing your name to this? And you know what I'll do? I just don't take their word for it. Well, I read down through every bit of that. It's a, it's a group of pastors getting together saying, hey, this is wrong. We're standing for life. This is how the direction we ought to go. Would you be okay signing your name to it? And I just wonder, taking that thought over when we look at in his name, is our lives in the position right now with our actions and our words that would be okay or Jesus would be okay signing his name to it? That's my child. They carry my name in his name. There's so much throughout the scriptures. And I'm saying, Lord, would you help us? We can appeal to his name for power. We have the assurance of salvation. But can I just take it a step further? And I want to live every day of my life. And whatsoever I do, that I want to be able to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus.
there are some things that may not be able to be accomplished because we don't want Jesus' name attached to it. You know, there's some things take place in town. I don't want the name of Granite State Baptist Church associated with it. And I'm saying, nope. No, thank you. I don't need my church associated with that. Don't need that name there. But I wonder if we'd start looking at that in our lives, saying, you know, some things in my life, I, just, Jesus, I don't need Jesus' name attached to that. What not to be like that? There's great power in the name of Jesus. But can I close with this statement? As much power as there is in the name of Jesus, there ought to be a lot of purity in our lives because of the name of Jesus. If you're here today and you're not saved, you never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, can I say this? It's only through Jesus you can be eternally saved. But maybe you're here as a child of God, and maybe there's just some things that the Lord's putting his finger on your heart right now this morning saying, nope, I'm not putting my name on that. It needs to change.